Every week we talk about uh, checking in on our social media platforms. So if you use a hashtag, a place for good, every time you do that, a dollar is going to, speaking of Mi Esperanza, Chris just mentioned it, it's a uh, mission group that we're supporting, and so a dollar every time you check in goes to them. And I just want to announce, um, this last couple months we've raised $193 through those check-ins, and then to date, $1,698. So um, this is a, a check representing the 193 just from the last couple months that's going down to that ministry. So thank you all for your checking in and the donations we can give to that ministry. Um, I want to mention Connect Cards. So if you're new or newish to Wellhouse, just joined us in the last few weeks or last few months, and you have not filled out a Connect Card, you can do so digitally. There should be a QR code behind me. Yep. You can scan that and check in. Just give us your information. We'd love to connect with you. Uh, one thing, it gets you on our text and email list, but we'd also love to have coffee with you, get to know you, um, answer any questions you might have about the church, and just help you plug in a little bit more. If you're not digital and you don't know how to scan that QR code, um, there are physical paper cards at the welcome table, so you can fill out that Connect card up there. Last thing I want to mention is we have a new event coming up in two weeks, February 18th. Again, it's, if you're new or newish and you want to get to know more about the church, um, come to this event called Next. It'll be right after Sunday service, so right after this. We'll meet in one of the classrooms. Um, you'll hear about our vision and our mission, meet some of the leaders, and again, just a way to get to know each other a little bit better. So if you're new or newish, plan on attending that. No RSVP needed. Just show up. We'll have snacks. Bring your kids if you have kids. It's just like a 30-minute session, so we'd love to have you join us. Um, and I want to invite up Chris Adams for the lead team. So, cavalcade of announcements this morning here. Sorry about that. Uh, I'm, I'm, my name is Chris Adams. I'm a member of uh, our lead team here at church, and uh, I'm going to announce some, uh, some changes we're having to our lead team. Um, but first, I'm going to ask Carice if she wouldn't mind coming up here. Um, Carice Brown has been on our lead team uh, for several years, and um, help me out here, through that period of time, uh, she served um, during, a, during a very chaotic period of time uh, for our church. If you've been here a minute, you know what it was like during COVID. Uh, we had a minister search. Um, we moved twice, moved uh, out of uh, into the Skate Center and then to, to here, and Carice was a part of all those decisions um, and, and was, a, was a vital part of our, of our lead team. Um, so one of the things that we believe here in Wellhouse is that if you're gifted to serve, plug in, find a way to serve. Um, if you have that gift, we want you to, to, to do God by honor uh, when you're time by doing that. We also believe in a time for rest. Uh, when, you're, when your time to serve feels completed, it's, it's time for a time of rest if that's something you want. So Carice has, has asked to uh, step aside from the lead team, and we just want to recognize her and thank her for, for her years of service. So join me. Small token there. So over the last six months, we have asked... Um, Joined the lead team with them, and thankfully, I'm, I'm happy to admit that six weeks, uh, excuse me, six months is up, and we are, are happy to announce um, two individuals joining our lead team. Um, uh, Todd Scholler, who is, I'll just ask you to stand if you're if you're here. I'm not sure, Laura. There's Todd. There's Todd. Todd. Todd's been 
on the keys this morning, and Laura Eagerson uh, as well. I didn't see Laura. folks. Um, I am also on the lead team, Ashley, who's normally here on keys as well. Uh, so if you ever have questions about sort of the business of church, um, why do we do things the way we do uh, from an administrative standpoint, that's what our job is, uh, is to help um, smooth those things out. So always feel free to, to ask us any questions. So now um, I'm going to ask you to join us in uh, Steve's uh, series, uh, City on a Hill. Thanks. We're the Cantrell family. I'm Kevin. I'm Anna. I'm Todd. I'm Sam. I'm Cole. And today we will be reciting Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are, are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for it was the same way for the prophets who were before you. Welcome. It's, uh... oh man, welcome. It's, uh, thank you guys for doing that video. It's so awesome to see your family and Kevin. Uh, I'm just super proud of you, man. Um, yeah. Uh, Kevin's in our uh, men's discipleship group, uh, and um, if you're a guy looking to kind of dig deeper into your faith with some other guys, come let us know. We're going to be uh, generating some more men's discipleship groups. It's been an awesome time. Kevin's been a part of that. Great to hear his story, and over the last six months roughly together, uh, just to watch how God has continued to work on him and grow him. And uh, several months ago, you remember me asking you to come and do that. You're like, that's not me, bro. And, uh, and I'm here to tell you, yes, it is. So uh, that's wonderful. Uh, raise your hand if you have ever um, been in such a mess that you thought to yourself, I don't know where to begin to kind of clean this thing up. Have you ever been there before? Perfect, good. You're going to identify with this story. A true story happened uh, several years ago. In fact, our youngest bear was about two years old at the time, so that's going to put us back about eight years ago. We were living in Michigan, and, uh, and, and Veronica had taken the girls out for the day. They're doing some girl stuff. I'm home with the boys, and we're just having kind of you know, boy time, and it just so happened that in the matter of like 10 seconds, two things happened that would leave me feeling like I'm in a mess that I don't know how to get myself out of. The first thing that happened was Carter, who at the time is probably about five years old, had climbed up on the counter in our kitchen uh, and was going to try to use the microwave for something, but he, he grabbed the handle of the microwave. It actually pull the microwave door open, tip the microwave, and you know that little glass plate that's in there? That thing came shooting out, apparently at 100 miles an hour. It hit the, it hit the granite countertop and exploded. It exploded all over the kitchen. So now I have a five-year-old who uh, is, is coated in glass. There's like a sea of glass everywhere. He's crying. He's not, you know, he's, he just doesn't really even know what happened. Plus, he can't move. At the same moment, my two-year-old 
has decided that he uh, no longer likes to wear the diaper that he's wearing because he's made an accident in it, and he decides that he's going to take that off, drop trowel right there in the living room floor, and start running around. Needless to say, things are kind of flying everywhere. It all happened in 10 seconds' time. Now, if you're in my position, what do you do? Right? Who, what kid do you help first? What tragedy do you begin to tackle first? You know, I don't, I don't necessarily want poop flying all over the carpet. I know I'm going to get in trouble for that. I also don't want my kid to get, you know, cut by a bunch of glass and everybody walk through that. So I did the next best thing I could think of, and that was I called my wife and said, all right, when are you going to be home? Right? Um, <laughs> as I need you home now, because I'm not sure I know where to start with this mess. And some of you, you've had a real life experience like that, no doubt, where you've found yourself in a mess and you think to yourself, like, I'm not sure where to, to get out of that. And some of you, some of you, not, it's not a mess physically, it's, it's a mess of your situation, right? You found yourself, you made some choices, you, you live some life, and you found yourself in a place where you're like, man, I, I know where I am. I look around and it's kind of like a sea of glass and poop. I mean, it's like, it, I, I don't know where to start. I just know it's messy. I just know it's difficult. I just know that I don't, I, I look around and I think to myself, I don't know where to begin to even clean this mess up. If that's where you are today, I want you to know that today's message is for you. But it's also for another group of people too. It's for the group of people that you remember when you were in that mess. You remember it may have been months ago or years ago or decades ago now where you found yourself swimming in the mess that you created. Somebody told you not to. Somebody, somebody warned you against those things. Maybe it was your parents or your grandparents or maybe it was somebody from church or maybe it was your own conscience. And you were like, listen, I know better. I, 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 I'm acting actually against my own ethics or my own morals or my own ability to think outside the box. I know this isn't good for me, but I'm doing it anyway. And then you found yourself in the mess. You remember when. And here's the thing, whether you find yourself there now or you find yourself, you found yourself there years ago, God is not surprised or appalled or put off by your mess. God is not surprised or appalled or put off by your mess. See, when I was thinking about that, mess that happened with me and my boys that day, I was shocked. I mean, it all happened at once and I had no idea, right? But that's not God. That's not the way he interacts. And I wasn't, uh, he's not appalled, right? There was a part of me that day that was like, oh my goodness. You know, like, uh, what, what are you doing? What, what, where are you at? There's a part of us, I think, sometimes that as we see somebody in a mess, we're kind of put off like, okay, I'll help you out this time. But this is the last time. You ever feel that way with a parent before? You know, you come to them, and you're like, listen, I'm sorry, I made the mistake again. And you can tell they're going to help you, but you can also tell that they're really put off by it. That this is not God's feeling about the mess that you've been in, no matter what you've 
heard before. In fact, one of the most famous verses in all of Scripture, John 3.16, no doubt you've heard this before, is this. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We probably know that. You've probably seen it at games before, but maybe a lesser known verse is the one that comes right after it, but it's equally telling about the heart of God. It says this in verse 17 of John 3, for God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God didn't come to condemn you in the mess. He didn't come to, to point it out to you and say, oh man, I'm so, I'm shocked, first of all, that you'd ever even put yourself in that position. But then, not only am I shocked, I'm just appalled and I'm put off by it. You knew better. You should have acted better. He didn't come to do that. He came First of all, because he loves you. And second of all, because he wants to be in a relationship with you. And see, the church is the church when we best reflect the description of who God is to the world around us. And I think we have gotten this wrong from time to time. See, Jesus didn't come to rub your nose in your mess. He came to rescue you from your mess. Have you ever been there before with somebody where you're like, oh, you made the mistake again? Well, you know you've made that before. You, you, know, you know you have a kind of a tendency to make mistakes. Like, I don't know if you noticed that about yourself, but you kind of make poor decisions from time to time. That's kind of who you are. I remember uh, years ago, and I don't know why, I actually looked this up this week, I don't know why this became a thing, but years ago when I had my first uh, dog on my own, I was 19 years old, I bought my first house, I got a dog, I had no business in doing that, I barely could keep myself alive at that point, but I got a dog anyway, and I was talking to somebody about how to train the dog so the dog wouldn't use uh, the, the house as a bathroom, right? And he said, now, contrary to what you've been told before, don't rub your dog's face in their mess. And I was like, I've never heard that before, nor would I want to do that. I don't think I don't want a dog's face to be in the mess because then I know that that dog's going to try to lick me, right? So I don't want that. I just, I didn't know that was a thing. But then the more I heard more about training, that there were people who, you know, that's like, oh, the dog made a mess. Well, you take the dog, you, you rub their face, and you, you remind them. This is a, it's a reminder. As I looked this week, like, why did we do that? Why did we do that kind of training? It was a reminder of the mess that was made. And for some of you, for some of you, there are people in your life that you no longer get around because what they do most and what they do best is remind you of the mess that you made. And for some of you, for some of you, the reason why you stopped going to church for a while, the reason why you have walls up on going to church for a while, the reason why you never go back to that place ever again, because of the people who reminded you, who rubbed your nose in the mess that you made. 
And so you think to yourself, I'll never put myself in that place because I don't know how to clean up the mess. And I certainly don't want anybody else to remind me of the mess that I made. But I want you to know that that is not the heart of God. It's not the heart of God. In fact, I want to read from this story today. It's in the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bible, you can flip open to John. And it's, it's, we call it a gospel because it's an account of Jesus' life uh, on earth and his ministry on earth. And so we get some things from John who, by, uh, by the way, was an apostle. He, he walked around. He was a disciple of Jesus. He walked around with Jesus in his earthly ministry. And John records a story in chapter 8, and in verse 1, this is what it says. At dawn, he, meaning Jesus, appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. Everybody's gathering around Jesus to once again hear a message from him, to, to hear some guy teaching from him. Right, And it just so happens to be at the temple courts. Now, this is where lots of people travel every day. This is both kind of political and religious all in one. It's where all the happenings happen at, right there at the temple courts. And we're going to find out that this is a strategic story for a few people who wanted so badly to rub somebody's nose in the mess that they had created. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, the people who know the most supposedly about God and what he wanted for their life, brought in a woman who was caught in adultery and they made her stand before the group and they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now I want you to think to yourself, how was she caught in the act now, there was somebody who must have been a spy. In fact, what we find from the, the Torah, the, the biblical law, was that you couldn't just have one accusations to make an accusation against somebody. You had to have multiple. And so there must have been uh, an approach taken that multiple people would be present because they knew what kind of mess this woman had made of her life. And so they're kind of hanging out in strategic places waiting for the opportunity to catch this person. In the law of Moses, he commands us to stone such a woman, meaning that, that she dies for the mess that she's made. But what do you say? And they were using this as a trap in order to have a, a basis of accusing him. See, this whole woman's story, this, this woman's livelihood is really rolled up into a ball to make a, a point. See, the teachers and the Pharisees and the religious elite, the people who should have known God the best, were more concentrated on making a point of people's lives than making a difference in people's lives. See, if we want to be a city on a hill, we have to resign the point of making points against people and begin to have a calling in our heart a desire within us to make a true difference in the lives of our world. But Jesus bends down and he starts to write on the ground with his finger, which I assume everybody around him, if, if you asked a question and somebody just automatically stooped down and started kind of drawing on, on the ground, you'd be like, what, what's going on? And they keep questioning him until he, it says this in verse 7, he finally straightens up and he says to them, Let any of you who is out, 
sin, without sin, cast the first stone at her. And, and basically he boils it down to this. Have you ever found yourself in a mess before? Have you ever been the person who was like, you know, I knew better, I should have done better, but I didn't. And there I was in a mess where I didn't even know how to begin to clean it up in the first place. And I look around for help, but I'm afraid that somebody's going to remind me of the mess that I made and not extend a hand to help me clean it up. I'm afraid that they're going to point out all the flaws that I have and the inadequacies that I have and the doubt that I have. And I don't know how to clean it up by myself. And so he says, hey, listen, if you've never been in a mess before of your own making, then go ahead and carry it out. And then again, he stooped down on the ground, and at this, those who heard him began to go away one at a time, the older ones first. I think it's funny that the scripture mentions the older ones first. I think it's because they have a lot more messes. The older I get, the more I realize I don't know as much, but I put myself in enough positions that I recognize my own flaws. You've been there before. You lived enough life that you're like, you know, the one thing I recognize is that I'm not perfect. It's the older ones who recognize all the messes first and then says this, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. No one else besides the two of them. And Jesus straightens up and he asks her, Woman, where are they? And they use this word again. Has no one condemned you? Remember, just a few chapters before, right? Jesus says, listen, let me tell you the story of God. God loves you so much. He loves you so much that he would send his very best for your very worst. He, he loves you so much that in the middle of the sea of glass, he's willing to send his son for you in your mess. And the reason why he sends him isn't to rub your nose in it. The reason why he sends Jesus isn't to say, see, you aren't good enough. You don't measure up. You keep making mistakes over and over and over again. That's not why he sent his son. He sent his son to save you. This word that Jesus used right here coming up, verse, verse 11, he she, she answers this question, nobody's condemned me. But I imagine she might be thinking, but there's still somebody who can't. So he responds, then neither do I condemn you. Now this version of condemn in, in Greek only happens in this particular place. It's, it's a Greek word called katatrino, and and it's really similar to condemn. In fact, really what it means is to judge worthy of a punishment. To, to say, listen, what, what needs to happen here is you should pay for the crime. You should, you should have to have some kind of restitution here. And Jesus says, I'm looking at you, and I could, as I've been sinless, I could throw a condemnation. I could find you worthy of punishment but he says this, but I don't. Now go and leave your life of sin. Jesus doesn't just leave it at, I'm not condemning you. 
he gives her a fresh start. He gives her an opportunity to live a new life. In some way, he says, listen, I'm not going to rub your nose in it. I'm going to give you something that's better than that. I'm going to give you help that you've always wanted, but you didn't know you needed. I'm going to give you help that you always thought was on your shoulders, but it's different than that. And actually, the life of Jesus does this so often. You remember the story of the wee little man. I grew up singing this song, Zacchaeus was a a wee little man, right? And it's this story of this guy who's a traitor. Nobody likes him. Jesus seeks him out. In fact, he goes to his house. And instead of pointing him in the direction of all the ways he's screwed up all in life, he says, salvation has come to your house today. Or maybe you remember the story. This story is a favorite one of ours at Wellhouse. It's how we got our name, Wellhouse. It's the story of the woman at the well. She's, she's had such a scandalous past that she winds up going to draw water in the heat of the day. It's the hardest time to draw water because she doesn't want to be around anybody else who might rub her nose in her past or who might rub her nose in her current. She says, I don't want any of that, so I'm going to go by myself. And Jesus meets her there, and he reminds her, listen, there's somebody here who is greater than all of that. And Today, you get to be a part of that. And she goes and she shares this story. In fact, it turns her story all upside down. If you read more into her story, she goes, and this is what the testimony she gives to the people that she's avoided. I met a man who told me all about my past. But he didn't rub my face in it like everybody else has. There's this story about a guy who got exactly what he deserved. He was a, he was a criminal. He, he was a thief. He, he was the kind of the person in the town that everybody was ready to see punished. And then that's exactly what happened. He was punished to death because of his crimes. And as he stood there uh, nailed to a cross and he began to breathe his last As Jesus, who was the only person hanging up that day who didn't deserve death, cried out to him, Listen, today you, though in the middle of your mess, will be with me in paradise. See, Jesus didn't come to condemn. He came to save. And here's the beautiful thing. See, I grew up in a in a faith culture, in a time where I was taught, okay, listen, you can't just preach that, Steve, because then people will think it's okay to just kind of do whatever they want and make the the mess of their life as though they want to make the mess of their life, right? So you kind of have to teach some things. And so we began to say, all right, listen, you need kind of a program in your life. You you need five things. If you remember these five things, you you carry them out in your life, then, then, then you're good. You'll be good. But Jesus doesn't offer messy people a program to follow. Because programs may feel good for a minute, but they will not get you out of the mess that you've got yourself into. See, and Jesus doesn't offer messy people a formula. Well, you take these series of steps and this order, and then eventually you'll find yourself out of the the, the mess that you've created because what we find is we... We have a tendency, a gravitational pull to go right back in there. You, you've, you've lived that out, haven't you, before? 
where you're like, all right, listen, I don't want to do that again. So if I just if I just try harder and I just stick to this thing, then I'm going to beat this. And then you find yourself right back. See, Jesus doesn't offer a formula. And too often, I think that that churches uh, and maybe even people in my position, and I'm guilty of this in the past myself, have pointed people say, like, just get people to church. If we just get people to church. Jesus says, no, 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 that's not, that's not what I'm giving you. See, Jesus offers messy people himself. And here's the beautiful thing. It's enough. See, I and you have a tendency to try to make it more as if Jesus in our lives isn't enough to change us. And we try to add things to that that never seem to work. This story with this woman who was caught in adultery ends there by saying, all right, listen, I don't condemn you. Leave your life of sin. And then he tells us exactly how to do that. If you're, if you're listening to Jesus carefully because there's this crowd of people that has kind of gathered back or they've, they've gathered around because they've witnessed something that they didn't think they'd witness. They thought they'd see a stoning of a woman who was deserved to be stoned. But Jesus says this, says this in John chapter 8. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. Just a few weeks ago, we talked about this, that Jesus says, you are the light of the world. This, this word light is, is, is a derivative of photo. You're the photo of God here on earth. And he says, listen, I'm the light of the world. I'm the, the best direct reflection of God here in the world today. If you want to know God, you got to look at my life. And then he says this, whoever follows me will never live in darkness, but will have the light of life. Interestingly enough, he doesn't say like, all right, if you memorize enough scripture, if you go to enough meetings, if you show up to church enough, if, if you feel guilty enough about the things you did in the past, right, and you take these kind of formulaic steps to get there, he says, no, 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 scratch that. If you... Follow me. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness. See, the best way out of your mess is to follow the one who came to rescue you from it. Remember the story I told you. Of two people in my house, they're both under the age of five. I had a diaper mess in one room. I have a glass mess in the other. And as I begin to survey the scene, I think to myself, okay, well, I don't want anybody bleeding. That's kind of first case scenario. So what I need to do is I need to talk to uh, Carter. He was five and I need to guide him to safety. And so I say, listen, buddy, I can see where the glass is and I can see where the glass isn't. And I can't get to you right now, but I'm going to get you to come to me. So I need you to follow my directions. And so he took every step carefully as though he was listening intently because he didn't want to get hurt. And he listened to my voice enough to follow me out of the mess. And I wonder if that's still true for you today with Jesus. See, you don't need a preacher who's highly articulate. You don't need a church that's just simply amazing and blowing things off the door. What you need is Jesus who offers himself for you.
to get you out of the mess. So if you find yourself there today, that's what we offer you. You won't find a perfect person here on stage. And listen, I love our leadership. We have an amazing lead team. We have an amazing shepherding team. We have a tremendous staff. Don't follow them. Only as much as they follow God. Follow God. He's the only one who will get you out of the mess that you're in. And for those of you who remember when the mess was made, but it was long ago. The best way to help people out of a mess isn't to rub their nose in it. Although we'd like to at times. Especially if we're married to that person. Parenting that person. It's not programs. It's not church. It's not a step process where you start here and walk your way through. It's to follow Jesus with your own life and be the photo of him here on earth and to help people remember that Jesus truly gets people out of the mess with him. That's the only way it truly works. So if you want to make a difference in this world, if you're into that, you want to leave a legacy, a mark behind if you want to make a point, criticize behavior. But if you want to make a difference, imitate Jesus. Imitate his love and forgiveness, his constant pursuit of following God in all things and being a direct reflection of our creator. Today, as we end our time together, would you stand as I speak a blessing over your life? And I pray that in that and through that this week, you will be reminded of who God is and who you are in Him no matter what mess you may have made, both present or past or even future. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine on you and give you peace. Now to Him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before His glorious presence without fault with tremendous joy. May you be swept away in God's love for you, transformed through the Holy Spirit's power within you. Thanks be to the only God, our Savior, who is unparalleled and unchanging, who is matchless and merciful, who is supreme and sufficient, who is before all things and through all things and in all things, both now and forever. Church, are you ready to continue to worship today? Please join us.